Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, April 29th. Shabbat Shalom. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study, or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. We also offer coaching support if you need help or have questions. See the Guidelines for Leaders PDF for details. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Akarai Mot, and it means, After the Death. Leviticus 20, 17-27 If a man marries his sister, the daughter of either his father or his mother, and they have sexual relations, it is a shameful disgrace. They must be publicly cut off from the community. Since the man has violated his sister, he will be punished for his sin. If a man has sexual relations with a woman during her menstrual period, both of them must be cut off from the community, for together they have exposed the source of her blood flow. Do not have sexual relations with your aunt, whether your mother's sister or your father's sister. This would dishonor a close relative. Both parties are guilty and will be punished for their sin. If a man has sex with his uncle's wife, he has violated his uncle. Both the man and woman will be punished for their sin, and they will die childless. If a man marries his brother's wife, it is an act of impurity. He has violated his brother, and the guilty couple will remain childless. You must keep 
all my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. Otherwise, the land to which I am bringing you as your new home will vomit you out. Do not live according to the customs of the people I am driving out before you. It is because they do these shameful things that I detest them. But I have promised you, you will possess their land, because I give it to you as your possession, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am Yahweh your Elohim, who has set you apart from all other people. You must therefore make a distinction between ceremonially clean and unclean animals, and between clean and unclean birds. You must not defile yourselves by eating any unclean animal or bird or creature that scurries along the ground. I have identified them as being unclean for you. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. Men and women among you who act as mediums or who consult the spirits of the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. Judges 9, 22-10, 18 After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's seventy sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in this treachery of murdering his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Gael, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained the confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely, and everyone began cursing Abimelech. Who is Abimelech? Gael shouted. He's not a true son of Shechem, so why should we be her servants? He is merely the son of Gideon, and this Zebel is merely his deputy. Serve the true sons of Hamor, the founder of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If I were in charge here, I would get rid of Abimelech. I would say to him, Get some soldiers and come out and fight. But when Zebel, the leader of the city, heard what Gael was saying, he was furious. He sent messengers to Abimelech and Aramah, telling him, Gael, son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to live in Shechem, and now they are inciting the city to rebel against you. Come by night with an army and hide out in the fields. In the morning, as soon as it is daylight, attack the city. When Gael and those who are with him come out against you, you can do with them as you wish. So Abimelech and all his men went by night and split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gael was standing at the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gael saw them, he said to Zebel, Look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebel replied, It's just the shadows on the hills that look like men. But again Gael said, No, people are coming down from the hills. 
and another group is coming down the road past the diviner's oak. Then Zebul turned on him and asked, Now, where is that big mouth of yours? Wasn't it you that said, Who is Abimelech, and why should we be his servants? The men you mocked are right outside the city. Go out and fight them. So Gael led the leading citizens of Shechem into battle against Abimelech. But Abimelech chased him, and many of Shechem's men were wounded and fell along the road as they retreated to the city gate. Abimelech returned to Aramah, and Zebul drove Gael and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day the people of Shechem went out into the fields to battle. When Abimelech heard about it, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from their hiding places and attacked them. Abimelech and his group stormed the city gate to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in, while Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields. The battle went on all day before Abimelech finally captured the city. He killed the people, leveled the city, and scattered salt all over the ground. When the leading citizens who lived in the tower of Shechem heard what had happened, they ran and hid in the temple of Baal Bareth. Someone reported to Abimelech that the citizens had gathered in the temple, so he led his forces to Mount Zalman. He took an axe and chopped some branches from a tree, and then put them on his shoulder. Quick, do as I have done, he told his men. So each of them cut down some branches, following Abimelech's example. They piled branches against the walls of the temple and set them on fire. So all the people who had lived in the tower of Shechem died, about one thousand men and women. Then Abimelech attacked the town of Thebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower inside the town, and all the men and women, the entire population, fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower. But as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. He quickly said to his young armor-bearer, Draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man ran him through with his sword, and he died. When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil he had done against his father by murdering his seventy brothers. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham son of Gideon was fulfilled. After Abimelech died, Tola son of Pua, son of Dodo, was the next person to rescue Israel. He was from the tribe of Issachar, but lived in the town of Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. He judged Israel for twenty-three years. When he died, he was buried in Shamir. After Tola died, Jair from Gilead judged Israel for twenty-two years. His thirty sons rode around on thirty donkeys, 
and they owned thirty towns in the land of Gilead, which are still called the towns of Jair. When Jair died, he was buried in Canaan. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the images of Baal and Asherah and the gods of Aram, Sidon, Moab, Ammon, and Philistia. They abandoned the Lord and no longer served him at all. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to the Philistines and the Ammonites, who began to oppress them that year. For eighteen years they oppressed all the Israelites east of the Jordan River, in the land of the Amorites, that is, in Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed to the west of the Jordan and attacked Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. The Israelites were in great distress. Finally, they cried out to the Lord for help, saying, We have sinned against you because we have abandoned you as our God and have served the images of Baal. The Lord replied, Did I not rescue you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Maonites? When they oppressed you, you cried out to me for help, and I rescued you. Yet you have abandoned me and served other gods. So I will not rescue you any more. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. But the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We have sinned. Punish us as you see fit. Only rescue us today from our enemies. Then the Israelites put aside their foreign gods and served the Lord. And he was grieved by their misery. At that time, the armies of Ammon had gathered for war and were camped in Gilead, and the people of Israel assembled and camped at Mizpah. The leaders of Gilead said to each other, Whoever attacks the Ammonites first will become ruler over all the people of Gilead. Luke 24, 13-53 That same day two of Yeshua's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Yeshua himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them Cleopas replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Yeshua asked. The things that happened to Yeshua, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders that handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. 
They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Yeshua is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Yeshua said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Yeshua took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Yeshua acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Yeshua had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Yeshua himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Yeshua led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple, praising God. Psalm 100, 1-5 
Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation. Proverbs 14, 11 and 12 The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the godly will flourish. There is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. I want to speak to you today from our reading from Judges chapter 9 and 10, and then we're going to just touch very lightly in the reading from Luke 24. So in the book of Judges, we see that the nation of Israel turned away willfully from the God of Israel, who had delivered them from Egypt, and they began to worship other gods. They began to worship Baal and Asherah, and Molech. And we've been relating this to the Jonathan Kahn latest book, The Return of the Gods, and he talks about the Antichrist unholy trinity. And the Antichrist unholy trinity is Baal. Baal is the god that is all about rebellion and turning away from the God of Israel. It's the God that it's a worship of power and status, prestige, money, materialism, selfishness, and greed. And it's personified by a bull, a a molten calf or a bull, just like the bronze bull that we see on Wall Street. And then we see Asherah. In ancient times, Asherah was a tree or a pole. And she was a female goddess of sexuality and sexual immorality. And she was parking lotted, retired, with the dawn of Christianity. But she has returned in modern times. And so she is all about sexual immorality, the blurring of boundaries and lines, the removal of the guardrails of society, and getting into all kinds of pagan practices with sexuality. And finally, we have the god of Molech. And in ancient times, they would take a newborn baby and bring it up to the base of a statue of Molech. And inside, at the base of the statue, was a blazing hot fire, and they would literally burn their babies alive. And so this is a god that demands blood. And how is Molech displayed in modern times? More than 60 million babies have been aborted in America alone since Roe v. Wade. And how are they destroyed? How are they killed? They're cut in pieces. They're sucked out like a vacuum. Or they're chemically burned alive. So in the book that Jonathan Kahn wrote, The Return of the Gods, he goes into this in great detail. So in the book of Judges, chapter 9 and 10, we see that the son of Gideon 
speaks a parable. Jotham speaks a, a parable, and at the end of his parable, he speaks a prophecy. And in Judges chapter 9, verse 20, he says, well, let me back up to verse 19. If you then have dealt truly and sincerely with Jeroboam, that is, with Gideon, and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. Now remember, Abimelech took hold of the reins of power and control, and he had all 70 of his brothers murdered, and he became the leading ruler of Shechem. So Jotham is now speaking, and he, he says in verse 19, If you have then dealt truly and sincerely with Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. Verse 20, But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech, and devour the men of Shechem and the house of Milo, and let fire come down from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo, and devour Abimelech. So he spoke a prophetic word, and it was basically a judgment. And how was this judgment fulfilled? So Abimelech is coming after the people in Shechem who were fighting back against him. He was hiding out in the field. The people are out in the field fighting with him. And, and so in verse 48 of chapter 9, he said, Abimelech, verse 48, And Abimelech got him up to the Mount Zalman, he and all the people that were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand, and he cut down a bow from the trees and took it, and laid it on his shoulder and said to the people that were with him, What you have seen me do, make haste and do likewise. Do as I have done. And all the people likewise cut down every man a bow, and followed Abimelech, and put them to the hold, and set the tower on fire upon them, so that all the men that had taken refuge in the tower of Shechem died also, about a thousand men and women. So the, the prophecy, the judgment that Jotham spoke out, right there it came to pass. All the people of Shechem who took refuge in that tower were burned alive, a thousand of them. But then we also see the other part of the prophecy. It says, let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo and devour Abimelech. So how did that get fulfilled? Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and went hard into the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman cast a piece of millstone on Abimelech's head and broke his skull. And then Abimelech calls the young man his armor bearer and says, Draw your sword and pass it through me, so no one can say that a woman slew, killed me. So Abimelech died. And so the words of Jotham came to pass. They indeed did. The question to be considering is, with the modern-day reemergence and return of the ancient gods, in our culture, and in our society, in our media, our movies, on the internet, in government, in politics, in the news, in the universities, in the schools, in all of culture, 
the reemergence of these gods, how has it affected us and what can we do about it? How can we truly be a set-apart people and not get involved in mixture or compromise? This is something to ponder, to reflect on, to think about, to pray about, to discuss with the brethren. Shalom and Yeshua the Messiah. We'll see you tomorrow. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.